1: Log
0: Talk Radio. Are you looking to expand
1: your distribution to libraries worldwide? Did you know readers are downloading eBooks straight to e-readers like the Kindle, Nook, and iPad from their local library? There are nearly 120,000 libraries of all kinds in the U.S. alone. Is your eBook available
0: in this market? Would you like to have your eBook available in this market? Look no further. ULR Distribution is assisting authors and small publishers to expand in this market. For more information, send an email to urbanlitreview at yahoo.com. That's urbanlitreview at yahoo.com. And start earning in this market today.
1: Hello, hello, and welcome to Unfiltered Talk Radio. I'm your host, Nisha Lene. And tonight we will be talking to author Sean Christopher about his book, Homie, Lover, Friend, and what else he has in store for 2017. Just to give you a quick reminder, as, about who I am. If this is your first time tuning into to to Talk Radio, I'm your host, Nisha Lene. I'm an author, publisher, and your radio host. I'm also a blogger, and I reside in Los Angeles, California. Um, I do the show uh, to talk to other authors just to give exposure to other authors, uh, their books, their titles, relationship topics. So we kind of center a lot of our books, uh, the authors we put, based on their books about relationship advice and relationship woes. Tonight we'll be talking to author Sean Christopher, who is a Texas native who currently resides in the Hampton Roads area. He is pursuing a master's degree in counseling at Hampton University and spends his time writing urban fiction novels. Sean has been inspired by many different African-American authors and describes his literature as a testimony to the 90s era of book creations with a street, uh, street flair. Tommy Lover Friend is his first urban fiction novel with influences from his generations of the African American culture and life experiences. He hopes to continue his work, his writing with Delphina Publications with spin spinoff of his book in his anticipated sequel. Just to give you a quick synopsis of his book, when the love of when the love lives of, of three best friends living in the fast streets of Atlanta become engaged entangled relationships as they know it will be turned upside down in a I'm trying to read it off the phone guys please sorry in a charade of lies, deceit, and uh, manipulation Bua is a gay up-and-coming real estate agent who struggles to find a long-term relationship despite the previous transgression in his past Monet is a sexy and savvy corporate woman that tussles with adopting a new leadership role in her career and devoting her time to an all- or nothing fiancé. Uh, Roland is a successful entrepreneur and self-proclaimed dog who begins to fear that karma wants him to see the air in his ways. Together, these three will be forced to reevaluate what truly means to be a homie-lover friend. Without further ado, we're going to bring Mr. Sean on the line so we can pick his brain. Sean, can you hear me? Yes,
0: I can. How are you?
1: I'm going finding you.
0: I'm doing great. I'm doing good.
1: Welcome, welcome.
0: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: You are truly welcome. So I noticed that um, your book is centered in Atlanta, but you are in Texas. What made you take a different approach to your book? Because most people, you know, they write their books in the city that they're, you know, they grew up, they live in.
0: Yes. Okay. So um, the reason behind placing the setting in Atlanta was just basically because one of the characters – Um, Bo is a gay African-American male, and a lot of the um, events and things that happen as far as for his story needed to be centered around um, a wide gay population, and Atlanta has a really good mix of that. And then also with the story, you'll find like um, Roland struggling with his sexuality and you'll find that there are a lot of DL you know, men and other people that are struggling with their sexuality in a place like Atlanta. So it gives a lot of, of diversity, leaves room for diversity.
1: Okay, I, I, I like that. I like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Now, you, you really had something that really kind of threw me when you said um, the 90s era. Is that an era that yes. you are kind of love in love with? I don't know. I'm in love with the 90s era, everything about the 90s. I still listen to 90s music like it's popping and like it just came out.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's kind of like how I feel about it. It's more so just the romanticism of the 90s. You have a lot of uh, really good um strong heartfelt movies that came out during that time kind of like the best man love jones those types of things so i want to incorporate that type of love into my books and my novels kind of like a. there's of course there's a street flair but there is that romantic um at home feeling that you get with my books as well so that's what i mean by the 90s era type of love
1: okay mm-hmm. i like that i like that um, so when you were uh, going to, because Homie Lover Friend is your uh, is your first book and you self published that, correct?
0: Yes, originally it was self published and then later on it did get re released by Delphine Publications.
1: Okay. Um, what what made you want to title it Homie Lover Friend? I know the whole '90s theme. That I love the title of it. As soon as I read it, when I when your information was forwarded to me, I was it just made me think of R. Kelly, already. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly
0: why. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly why it was named Homie Lover Friend. It was because of the song Homie Lover Friend by R. Kelly, the remix, actually. It's one of my favorite songs. And in the song, if you listen to the lyrics, he describes what he wants in a lover um, part homie, part lover, part friend. And each one of the characters is each one of those different um, words. So um, you would think of the lover as being Bo, the friend as being Monet, and the homie as being Roland, and they each play a role in the love story that is homie lover friend.
1: Okay, okay. Well, I definitely definitely want to congratulate you on that. That you know you don't find too many people who take a lot of consideration into all of that, and and, and that's super dope.
0: Hmm. Thank you. I try to consider every aspect in my art because I do want it to be as realistic as possible and as relatable as possible. So you'll find a lot of different dynamics inside of the book and different subjects that are tackled, um, within the first uh, part of the book because there is a sequel that'll be coming out later on.
1: I did notice that on Amazon that you do have a sequel coming, um, coming out sometime in April, correct?
0: That actually is a spinoff to homey lover friends. So some of the characters, that are in Homie Lover Friend, like Bo, Roland, and Monet, are included in the book coming out in April, April fourth. It's called Jaded, um, but it's a spinoff of that, so it has okay. it's a completely different character that goes through her own set of issues.
1: Okay. Okay. And what um... oh, was my next question? Okay, so um, when, okay, so you started as a self-published author. What made you want to go over and cross over and become a published author under someone else's publishing company?
0: Well, I did have a moderate success as a self-publisher. Um, my book basically traveled word of mouth through the Hampton Roads area. Um, what made me want to sign off on a, a go-for-a-major publisher was just because of the, um, the accessibility Then, of course, with Ms. Tamika Newhouse, I think she's great. Um, Her vision is wonderful, and I actually took some time to explore the artists that she had underneath her label before I signed to be a part of her label, and, you know, I think that their mission is really great, and I think that I added to the already great set of label mates that she had. So that's what made me want to be a part of a major publication, just the exposure and being able to stand for something greater than myself.
1: Okay. I I truly love that and I I definitely commend doing that. I definitely commend anyone who can take the courage to do self publishing and then, you know, kinda of wanna evaluate, you know, and go into that way. And Tanika Newhouse, um you, you guys been, from her publishing company. I definitely want to thank you guys because you guys have definitely been coming and showing your support and interviewing and uh, for Unfiltered Talk Radio. You are the I want to say maybe third or fourth person from your uh, from your publishing company that I've interviewed. So mm-hmm. I definitely want to say thank you for for that. And to Samika, she is definitely someone I follow within you know her career as a publisher to show like you know I love the reputation and the brand she has created from herself from being a young you know teen mother. So. You definitely are someone who definitely knows what they're doing.
0: Yes, yes. She is a very, very huge motivator in my continued success in my book. She gives wonderful tips and pointers on what I should do, you know, some things of what I shouldn't do, and really has helped to carve me into the author that I'm becoming. So I'm very appreciative of that. And that's definitely,
1: definitely dope. So let's dig a little bit deeper. So, homie lover friend, um, what made you want to go with that storyline? You know, when we, as authors, you know, minds are always going, what made you settle on that storyline?
0: Well, um, I wanted to create something that was different, something that was kind of uh, familiar in that it has that 90s type of feel to it, but then also something that is more modern. Because nowadays people are more open with their sexuality, um, people people are more, more open with themselves in general. So I figured blending the two would be making a three sided story, where each person that has they have their own set of issues, their own set of problems, they're able to speak. So you'll see three completely different people. Um, within the story that are able to be friends. So you have Roland, who's a straight male. You have Monet, who's, of course, a straight female. Then you have Bo, who's a gay character, and he's friends with both of them. And I feel like that's more representative of what is currently going on in the world, and I wanted to showcase that. So that's part of the reason why I wrote the book, and I felt like it would make it stand out amongst all the other books that are out there nowadays. Okay.
1: And does this book, um, does any of the characters have any... Th- share some of the characteristics of yourself do you see any of yourself or did you share any of your raw emotions within the characters
0: Mm-hmm. I, I see a bit of myself in each of the characters like um, Bo one of his major characteristics is that he wears his heart on his sleeve and I can definitely attest to that especially in my younger years I know I'm not that old but you know in my younger years my more naive years I was very much like that And then Roland, you know, he has his moments of roughness. You know, he likes to have fun and all that stuff. And that's very much me at points in time. And then also uh, the career-driven aspect of Monet is also me as well. But then I think of my friends and family and their personalities, and I kind of blended all that together to make the characters seem real. But, yes, bits and pieces of my own life are are put into that book. Okay.
1: Okay. And so we know yourself. Um, you're signed into Delphina. What are your? Um, we know you're releasing the book uh, J- uh, Jaded. Is it Jade or Jaded?
0: It's called Jaded. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Jaded. Um, coming next week. Um, yes. What it are is your plans? Um, what are your plans for this year? Are you attending any? Let us know. Are you attending any book events? Do you have any other mm-hmm. releases that will be coming out?
0: Um, Well, for now, Jaded actually is my most current release. Um, I do have a couple of uh, book events that I'll be attending in April. I'm going to the AMBC Awards uh, this summer as well, so I'm excited about that. So I've just been kind of – and then I also want to do a release party as well. I'll probably do that around May or, or June where I'm going to do um, a release party for both books at the same time. So I I do have a lot of different things going on in regards to the book. And then, of course, um, the advertisements online and through social media, Facebook, Instagram, all those different things, that's continuous. So, yeah, I have a lot going on in that area.
1: Okay. We definitely want to congratulate you on this. Now, you are currently still in school studying counseling, correct?
0: Yes, I'm in my last semester.
1: Oh, well, congratulations with that. That is a <laughs> Thank wonderful. Thank you.
0: Seven long years um, of hard work.
1: <laughs> it's not even just seven years. Like, that's like continuing from from grade school. You just keep going and just different stuff. is just trying to get through it. But I definitely want to commend <laughs> you on that because I'm still in a struggle of trying to finish up a, a few classes myself. Um, yes, so it is a struggle. I want to commend you on that.
0: <laughs> Thank you.
1: What made you um, – want
0: to become a writer? Uh, well, it never was really on my mind to become a writer. Uh, when I was younger, I used to write a lot of poetry. I actually went to um, this place in one of the places that I used to live in, Colleen. It's very close to San Antonio, my hometown. And I would um, listen to the spoken word there. It was this out-of-the-way place. It was very small, very quaint, and it had like a Jamaican feel to it. And a lot of people would just go from different walks of life and and speak their truth through their poetry. So um, I was shy back then, so I would just kind of listen. But when I would go home, I would write through being inspired by everyone else that was there, I would write my own poems. And so I did that for a couple of years, and then I kind of stopped and got fascinated with – well, I've always been a reader, but I got fascinated with the um, African-American literature and the stories of relationships, part of the reason why I'm a counselor. And um, all of that tied together into wanting to just write a book and be able to tell my own truth through the use of writing novels. So that's how that started.
1: Okay. And you, um, well, of course, you write urban fiction. But Mm -hmm. um, do you have it down to just a general of urban fiction, or is it urban romance? Um, And what made you choose that particular genre?
0: Um, well, I would like to consider urban fiction. The reason why I say that is because I don't like to put myself all in one box. So if I was to say street lit, I would only be writing about street issues and street problems. And yes. my books tend to have a bit of everything in it. So to make sure that it's all inclusive, urban lit would be the best way to to, to categorize my writing.
1: Okay. Um, I definitely like what
0: was the, you? I think you asked me something else as well.
1: Why did you choose that genre? But I think yeah, I answered that in a nutshell.
0: Well, yeah, I, I chose that genre because I'm a counselor and I really really love the like to explore the relationships between people, how they're built, how they disintegrate and what better way to do that than to write about it. So, that's that's why.
1: <laughs> okay. And you said you've always been a reader. So yes, let's always. go. What um, offhand? What is three books that you uh, have read multiple times? Okay. And they never get old to you.
0: Okay, so three books that never get old to me. First off, first off would be "Addicted" by Zane. I think Ooh, that yeah. is the most wonderful book ever. I think Zane is a wonderful, wonderful writer. I look up to her very much.
1: Amazing. Um,
0: Yes, another book that I think is really great is Nervous. Again, that's by Zane, <laughs> and I So oh, you don't think have to tell me. I know, follow-up.
1: I know, I know Zane.
0: <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> we can keep going. And then the <laughs> other one is Fly Girl, and are you you're familiar oh with that theory. one? Yeah, that
1: was actually my that, first urban fiction book.
0: Yes, I love that book, and then of course the series. It is a series to that, as you know. So yeah, that, that's great.
1: Why well, I wrote my first urban fiction book, and then I got hooked on Zane, and then mm-hmm. I read The Coldest Winter Ever.
0: See, and everyone keeps was... telling me about that one, and I, I need to read it. I need to read that. It's Sister Soldier, right?
1: Yes, Sister Soldier.
0: Yes. Um, I'm gonna have to But check
1: yeah, that Omar and was my first urban fiction book, um, and it was my first urban fiction book that crossed me over from the kiddie literature that I had written, I mean, that I had uh, read that you got, you know, from the book fairs at school. And it was um, actually a book that was, my older cousin had it and I I was left at her house and I read it and I was like, whoa, what is this? And then um, in middle school, my friend, her mom was a part of Black Expression at the time so they would get all these books and Zane, she got nervous, uh, Skyscraper, Sisters of the APS and we just went on a bend and we read, read nothing but Zane. And then Someone gave me coldest winter ever. My cousin gave me coldest winter. She was like, well, you like reading. Well, go ahead and read this one. I love this book. I read that one, and I have officially been hooked on reading since the stage of 14 of urban fiction.
0: Yeah, I started around that age, too, around, like, um a, well, urban fiction around 13, 14, and that really opened yeah. my eyes to the world. i <laughs> just put it like that. Like, <laughs> um, <laughs> It really opened my eyes and made my own descriptions of my own writing more descriptive.
1: Yeah. So. Okay. So we, uh, on I'm supposed to talk radio, we like to have uh, what we call three do's and three don'ts. Um, okay. Three advices of uh, do's um, for an inspiring author, a, a self-published, a struggling author, just in general, of entrepreneur author. three do's and three don'ts.
0: Okay. So the first do, of course, would be to never give up. Um. The second do would be to write every day, whether it's a sentence or 10 pages or 20 pages, you should always write every day. And then the third one would be to always remember to promote yourself because you are a brand. So whether you're a self-published author or you're published underneath a major publication, you must always promote yourself because you are your brand. So those are the three do's. Okay. Um, The three don'ts would be to, Um, never push your writing off for the next day because it'll always roll over into the next day and the next day and the next day and and then eventually you'll just have a manuscript that's been sitting there for years. Um, Another don't would be to not edit your own work. (laughs) And I say this to mean that a new fresh pair of eyes is always, always appreciated. They'll catch things that you didn't catch. And then my last don't, would be to never give up um and just continue to strive and and if you truly love what you do, especially being a writer, you'll continue to write whether whether you have one fan or ten million fans so and and the best writers are the ones that love what they do, so if you love what you do, you'll be fine, so never give up
1: Yes, yes, I love that, I love that. um I actually read somewhere not so long ago it says um, While, you know, some people, you look at those Jane Patterson and all of these people who have you this, you know, big fan base, and you look at them like, how can I get there? It's because they never quit it. They they, At one point, they were an amateur, too. They didn't know this, Mm -hmm. but you got to keep going and keep going. And I tell everybody um, within myself, each book I release, I want to make sure it's better than the last. I want to go and read those reviews to see what they said they didn't like about that book and how I can improve that next book.
0: Yep, exactly. <clears throat> it's all about well, research a, and to always expand your knowledge. Oh, excuse me.
1: Yes, please. Please tell them. Please say that again.
0: <laughs> I was just saying it's, it's important to always do your research about the world around you and to to make sure that you expand your knowledge. Knowledge is infinite. so.
1: Man. And make Google your best friend.
0: Yes, Google is my best friend every time I write.
1: <laughs> Google is your best friend. Google, Yahoo, Bing, whatever. Just make a search, that, and your yeah. best friend.
0: The internet gives you the answers you need at the drop of a dime.
1: Man, so what is the average day of writing for Sean Christopher? How, what does how does how do you get your writing juices going? What is like a, a, a setting, a writing setting that needs to happen for you to just get in your zone and go ahead and just flow?
0: Well, I usually do a majority of my writing late at night or early in the morning, around like one, two or three. I don't know. My mind just seems to cut on creatively during that time. So what I like to do is I like to drink like hot tea or like have a Coke or something and just sit there and write. And sometimes it'll become a story and other times it'll just be jotted notes of different settings, places, characters, um, their character traits physical emotional all those different types of things and it kind of just it builds on itself and and that's that's how i get in the right mood and then sometimes i listen to songs based on the emotion that's needed for the scene so um for instance there's a scene in homie lover friend where uh roland gets mad because he gets stood up by one of his dates and He um, tears out of the parking lot and does a bunch of destructive things. I I don't really want to give it away too much. But um, (laughs) just to get me in the mood to describe that angry feeling, I listen to something like hard and fast, kind of like future, you know, that kind of stuff. Versus a more romantic scene where I would listen to like R. Kelly or like Aaliyah or something really just flowing and loving to, to make those emotions spill on the paper.
1: Okay. I think I'm so the opposite in everybody. Like, I can listen to like, it doesn't matter the song, like, it' just literally the person's genre of music and I can just listen to over and over and over again. I, I know with one of my books, I think I listened to K. Michelle and August Alcina the whole time I wrote the book on repeat. <laughs> <laughs> and and my, my cousin kept saying, like, why is that all I hear you listening to? I'm like, you don't understand. I'm in, like, this it just flows. I try to listen to other stuff. I tried to listen to the Pandora and it's like, no, then these songs come on, and it breaks my focus. I have to just listen to this. And people find me, they'd be like, Writers are so weird. You guys have so many weird things and I'm like, it's just what what goes for us. We have to go with what works yeah, for
0: us. Get those creative juices flowing however you can. Right. Everybody's
1: different. Go. Yeah. Like um like how you said you can do tea and soda. I'm more of a coffee tea drinker. But I've interviewed a lot of people who can drink wine or alcohol and write, and I cannot do it.
0: Oh no! If I did that, right, exactly. (laughs) Or if I did it, I'd wake up the next day and my sentences would be all messed up. (laughs) And
1: and so many people would be like, "Yeah, it gets my juices, my music, my little my alcohol." I'd be like, "I wish I could have a cocktail and and write." I'm like, "It doesn't work for me." But like you said, yeah, doesn't work for me either. Yeah, we do. When um, do you promote your books outside of the social media world? Like, do you go out um, just randomly to ask out flyers, talk to people about your books?
0: Mhm. I do a lot of my uh, my promotions around my campus at Hampton University. Um, I was actually the treasurer for the uh, the Department of Counseling. And so I familiarized myself with a lot of the students there, and then, of course, my department chairs and um, my colleagues were supportive of that as well. So a lot of my promotion is done at the school because, you know, you have kids around my age that are willing to read that type of material. So it really helps to be around people that are within your age group.
1: So knowing your target market is definitely something that Mm -hmm. um, it goes with promotion, to know your target market.
0: It's important um, for every writer, yep.
1: Yeah. When um, You told your family that you were um, – did prior to you finishing your novel and, and publishing or whatever, did you kind of tell your family and friends that you were writing, you know, working on a book, or did you just like, oh, you know, I wrote this book?
0: Well, see, how it began was I actually just was playing around with the manuscript, so I wrote the first chapter, Um, actually no it was the first three chapters and each chapter has each character because there are three characters so by the third Mm -hmm. chapter I had written a chapter for each one of the characters and so i had had one of my close friends check it out and she was like wow this is really good like you should keep going and I was like okay you know so I kept playing with it and kept playing with it and it eventually became a book once it became a book and it was done, that was when I started telling my family and my friends because I, I didn't want to put myself in a position where I was telling them I was writing a book and then if it ever or if it never got done, it was just something that I didn't do. So I waited until it was done before I started sharing it with everybody else. But I did tell a friend or two about the process.
1: Okay, that's, that's dope. And so um, once it was done and you did present it to your family, what was the reaction?
0: Well, um, my family's always been really supportive. So, of course, they were proud of me. Um, they First of all, they asked me how I had the time to write it because I was still doing my internships during that time. Um, I was still working and I was still going to school. So I had multiple things on my plate. And so um, they, they asked me how I had time for it. But once again, if you love what you do, it was more so a hobby for me than it was an actual job, just sitting down and, and creating um, a story that people would end up enjoying. So it was really more like fun for me after all the numerous things I had to do throughout the day.
1: Okay. And, um, has any of your family members actually read the book?
0: Yes. Um, majority of my family members have read the book. I know my mom's read the book, of course. Um, A bunch of my cousins were all around the same age in our 20s, so they have read the book, of course, giving me positive feedback. A whole bunch of my friends have read the book, and then a lot of my colleagues from school as well. Then, of course, you know, I do have my other readers outside of that, but um, a a lot of my family and a lot of my friends, majority of them are very supportive.
1: Okay, that's very good. That's very good. Because, you know, being a writer, that's definitely something that's really, really good to have that family support and, you know, because sometimes – you know, in those days when them, that story of them characters is giving you a hard time having that, you know, undiring support and back against the wall is definitely always needed.
0: hmm Exactly. I completely agree.
1: So we know you're going to be at the AMBC um, Awards. Are you doing any other um, events? I know you want to do your book release, but any other events? um within the Um, to promote the book
0: there is actually supposed to be something going on in new york i haven't pinned it yet completely but i've been looking into it it's like an expo that's going to be done around the summertime i believe a month or two before the ambc awards i'll probably be going there to promote my book as well um there's going to be a couple hundred authors and other people there that do literary work so i'll do a lot of that there Okay and of course, that's I have definitely good. Other book things that I have planned, other book clubs and things to visit.:
1: And um outside of writing, uh, within the literary industry, um, is there anything else you want to, you want to do besides um, you know pinning your books Is there like uh, motivational speaking you want to go around and do?
0: Um, I would actually love to do motivational speaking, more so on the counseling spectrum of things. Um, and if I could tie my books into that as far as with relationships, that would be really great too. Um, I also would like to write a book full of poems because I have, like I was saying earlier, hundreds of different poems that I would written when I was younger that were actually really good, along with other poems that I've written throughout. Um, I started writing when I was 15, and I'm 25 now, so it's 10 years' worth of different types of poems, and I would like to get them together. Um, and and make a compilation of it and form it into a book. So hopefully that does get done, but I have to sift through them first and find the good
1: ones. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, pick and choose, pick and choose. Yeah, I definitely think that's good. Um, I have always been a fan of, like, reading poetry, but I've never been a fan of, like, um, sitting there just doing them. I've done spoken mm-hmm. word before and I loved it. Like sometimes just coming off the dome, depending on you know just the feel of it, I can do. Um, but I'm more of a structured writer. Like I have to write, which is one of me and my cousins. We're so total opposite. She can't write a book and she's trying right now. So she's just she's like this is a lot of work. But poetry, poetry, all of our life, That's what she that has been her thing, and the longer short stories and thing are my thing. So. I can meet anyone with the poetry because I'm like, I don't, I can't do it. I'm i I'm long-winded, um, but I definitely <laughs> hope to see that, um, you know, within the uh, next few months or within the next year from you um, as a poetry because there is a lot of people that uh, love poetry and they love to, you know, go ahead and read, you know, read other per- other people's poetry.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep.
1: Because poetry is like a quick, quick fix to just the problems you're going through, like a song.
0: Yes, it's very much chicken soup for the soul. Uh, The one thing that I will say about poetry and when I was writing poetry a little bit more heavily was that it does teach you how to put sentences together and make them have a certain type of flow. And then it also forces you to have to come up with new words. A lot of my word bank that I have in terms of writing came from poetry because when I didn't have a word that rhymes with something to make it flow, I would have to look up new words and learn mm-hmm. the meanings of the new words to add them to the poem. So it helps with being able to write because you have a larger word bank.
1: Okay. Word structure and word play.
0: <laughs> Always.
1: You know what um <laughs> I actually learned from, uh, from a from mentor a few months I mean a few years back um, you know, like, I was just like, you know, well, I feel like I want to, you know, incorporate more words into my vocabulary. And I, and I don't know, it was just silly. But she was just like, well, you know what, with every book, set out to write a certain amount of words and learn those books and incorporate those books in that that new book that you're working on, that new merch, that new thing. So randomly, I'll just go and like, for, for maybe weeks. I'll go into the dictionary and I'll write down the word of the day, what it means, and, you know, the definition of it. And when I go to work on my new manuscript, I'll just go over these words and try to incorporate those words into my new manuscript. So now those become, because, you know, and then after going through your manuscript, you went through the first drive, second drive, and everything, those words become a part of your vocabulary.
0: Mm-hmm. So that's that's a brilliant to idea. I'm gonna have to adopt that from you <laughs> <Right. And it's
1: laughs> I'm from for me because Right. This is something I got from somebody as my mentor. She was like, write down the words. She was like, and then you adapt you adapt them and then now as you go through, you know, you go through your first draft. These are words that now you're mm-hmm. reading awesome. You're you're seeing, you're reading, you're you're becoming and having a relationship with them. So now they become a part of your vocabulary. So I try to do that with every book so that I can build my vocabulary. And just because I'd never want my some of my words from this book to sound like this, because I don't want this character to sound like this character. So sometimes you have to change up the vocabulary, change up the, you know, the slang, the di- the dialect.
0: And see, I get nervous about that. So I definitely need to try that. It's like while I'm writing, like when I was writing the second book, Jaded, I was kind of worried about it sounding too familiar. Uh, like I want it to be familiar because I want people to have that at home feeling and they, and they feel like they know the author, but I don't want them to feel like they're reading the same character, like you were saying, with just a different name. <laughs> right. So it does help to build that vocabulary up and switch the words right. around a little bit.
1: And then um, I'm, uh, another thing I do, um, I've never had a problem with, like, character development, but I had wrote a book, and I think, I don't know if it was coming from, like, a hurt place. The characters, they were different people, different relationships, but they sounded so much alike. So I had to take myself and I just and I um Googled my friends. So I go and I Googled and I found like different things of people have for a character resume. So I took what one this blog said, this blog said, this writer said, this writer from this genre and this genre and I created my own document of character development. So now when I go to sit down, I'm writing this and now I kinda know who this character is. I know she don't like this, she likes this and you know. It gives me an easier sense that when I go to write now, I've already created this character so much that I know her. So when I'm writing or writing him, I know who he is. I know what he likes. Mm-hmm. I know how he sounds so that I don't confuse him with any other character in the story or any other character from another book so that my characters don't sound the same.
0: See, I do kind of like the same thing, only it's more so zodiacal. So I'll pick um, a Zodiac sign for my character. So for Monet, I made Monet a Gemini. Um, For Roland, I believe I made Roland an Aries. And then for Bo, I made Bo a Cancer because he's caring and loving. And so all the different characteristics that fall underneath those Zodiac signs would just apply to my characters. And then I would kind of build their responses out that way.
1: Oh, I like that. I've never heard of it like that. That's dope.
0: Mm-hmm. That's how I do that, and it kind of helps me structure what their responses will be and how they put their words together when they do speak to other characters or their thought process and stuff. Oh,
1: I, I like that. I I never thought about it like that in, or I even mentioned Zodiac signs. but I like that idea. <laughs> That's really dope. That's different. Well, thank
0: you. <laughs>
1: see, it's different. I love it. Um, that's one thing I do enjoy about doing the radio show. I'm a very pers- shy person in in person, um, mm-hmm. but I do like to do the radio shows because it gives you a way of um, interacting with other authors and just talking and and learning new things, new methods, and and just being able to share that dialect with somebody else who. I won't say have the same mind frame as you, but kind of kind of do. Because talking to someone who's not a writer, they don't totally understand when I'm in writer's mode or anything. But talking to another writer, they get it, they understand, because, you know, they go through the same things. So every Friday I, I love to tune in to see who I'm interviewing, their writing process, and how they do things and, and, and things they write. So um, I definitely love it. That's one of the perks I love about the show.
0: Yes, and I really appreciate the tip that you gave me. <laughs> I will be using that and building my word bank
1: up. <laughs> if if that's what we're here for, you have to share the knowledge like you said and, and pass each one to each one so that we can we can build this community because urban fiction isn't what it used to be. Um and I wanted to get back to that. Yes. And definitely. I and I know, you know the change starts with me. What was the last book that you read and how did you, how would you rate?
0: So ironically enough, the last book that I actually um, read and I read this book in, I believe four days, it was my publisher's book, Tamika Newhouse. It's called the ultimate no, no. And it's like a four series book. And um, I read that whole book (laughs) in four days it was it was wonderful it was full of dramas full of everything and it was also uh, the setting was also in dallas so that really well fort fort worth so So that really made it even better because that's my hometown texas so i ate that book up in four days
1: (laughs) you did say you well your hometown was san antonio
0: My hometown is San Antonio, yes, but um, I have family everywhere. So um, I have family in the DFW. I have family in Houston, all parts of Texas. So I'm very familiar with Texas. Now, outside of that, I wouldn't be able to point you in the right direction.
1: (laughs) Well, I used to live in San Antonio. Uh, My aunt still lives there, and then my cousin lives in Dallas, (laughs)
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, um, it's a great born, place. Born I here in
1: California, uh, yeah, born here in California. Um, but my dad was one of those who liked to move around, so I've definitely I lived in I lived in San Antonio, Texas, for maybe two years, and then we came did back you to like California. It? Um, I did like it because um, let me tell you a little bit about it. So I I live in California where there's a mixture of Hispanics, Blacks, you know, Asians, and everything. Um, Mm -hmm. We moved to Louisiana, and I was, like, shell-shocked because there were only blacks and whites in Louisiana. And we moved to a little small town that my grandparents were from. There was no Hispanics. There was no other races. So I was, like, kind of, you know, I spent 11 years of my life in California. So I was, like, wait, there's no Hispanics there. Like, I was just really, like, kind of shocked. So I lived there for a few years. So when we moved Mm -hmm. to San Antonio, I was like, okay, I don't feel out of place anymore. Like, these are the people I've kind of grew up my whole life around. Mm -hmm. And it it felt like I was back in L.A. all over again.
0: Yes. Um, For me, I just noticed that San Antonio itself is very eclectic. Like, there's a lot of different mixtures and cultures there, especially Hispanic and black. And you see a lot of different mixed people, and it's very – it's very much a melting pot and that was one of the things that I really liked about it.
1: Yes, yeah, so I it was definitely something that I truly appreciated. I was like, What? Because I when, when I say I was so shell shocked, like, Wait, what do you mean? Like there's none here. So when I moved to we moved to Texas, I was like, Okay, so here this is where they are in the south. This this is it. Um, we lived there for about two years before we um, moved back to California. And I've mm-hmm. pretty much been in California ever
0: since then, I think. Well, see, I've wanted to visit California. I went to California when I was 11, 12 years old. I went to San Diego. And I, I, the only thing I really remember are the taco shops that line the streets and then the weather. Like, the weather was perfect. It was sunny, yeah, every, but it wasn't hot. Like, it was great.
1: Yeah, everyone loves uh, sunny California. It hasn't been mm-hmm. sunny lately, but <laughs> um, Oh. <laughs> We we're definitely spoiled because um anytime people always laugh at me, anytime they be like, It dropped below fifty in California, y'all all of a sudden y'all freezing. I'm like, I'm sorry, that's just we're 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 used to the seventy eighty weather. We're used to seventies on a good day. In the springtime, you know, that's just I'm a sandal girl so and a partial of me being a sandal girl is because I was born and raised in California.
0: Where mm-hmm. like in Texas it gets hot. When it gets hot, I mean like 110, and that's burning up horrible. So now that I live more so on the East Coast, I get the heat, but not to that extent. And when people complain about how hot it is, I'm like, if y'all move to Texas and experience that summer heat, then you'll know what real heat is, because 105, 110 is not a joke at all. (laughs) That's
1: like the valley here. That's like the deserts here, like Lancaster, California, where it's like the desert. And they'd be like 110. I'm like, I can't deal with that. No, no, no.
0: I no, deal- I couldn't do that.
1: Okay. That's like nosebleed. Like no. Nose. Mm. So um, I'll stick in my little Southern California where, and and, and won't complain too much about our weather.
0: <laughs> yes, hopefully I'll have to visit soon. Because I really, really want to visit California and be, you know, be able to be out and do what I want to do as an adult. Because like I said, the last time was when I was a kid. So I like to visit LA. I heard the streets are very crazy in terms of highways. Like you guys have exits on both the left and right side and like four or five lanes. I'm like, wow, it's crazy.
1: We do uh, it depends on the freeway. Some freeways do have about four or five lanes and sometimes um depending on at what at what point of the freeway they kinda open up a little bit more. Um mm-hmm. they've been changing a lot of our freeways lately. They're having some express lanes being put in. The LA traffic is crazy, but you know, it's I I love everything about LA. Even though I do wanna move, um but LA is always home. I love everything about LA. LA traffic is crazy, but I mean, where else are you gonna get good food, the beaches? Randomly walking down Hollywood, but right—that's what I'm saying. Walking down Hollywood Boulevard, seeing all the people like pretending to be Elvis Presley, Michael Jackson. I think there's like some Whitney Houston's out there now. Madonna's. Um, it's it's just live to be here in, in LA. Like I, if you definitely. And no one can ever say they came to California and they didn't have a good time
0: because mm-hmm.
1: you're literally going to have a good time.
0: Yeah. And I've never heard of anyone that I know of that's been there that said they had a bad time in California because there's always, it seems, something to do. So I would there's definitely always something love to do, to do that.
1: There's always something to do. I, you would definitely enjoy um, Los Angeles. You would definitely under, love California in general because just besides Los Angeles, um, I've never been, of course, I've Never been to the Bay, um, but I heard it's so fun there. So that's one of my goals this, this year is to explore my my state. So get out of just my comfort zone of Southern California and explore different Northern California different places in California.
0: Yeah, I would love to do kind of like a road trip around California and yeah, just and experience, experience the different atmospheres and people and everything.
1: Yeah, and and for me um, So that's definitely something I want to do I want to uh, kind of do a road trip around California Expand my readership um, And just enjoy life And, and the different cultures and, and different aspects of life Because, you know, with the president we got now um, I don't know I just want to live life <laughs> exactly. and enjoy it
0: Exactly, just, before it all ends I swear hopefully I don't not, want to turn but...
1: on the, some, Sometimes I don't even want to turn on the news I'm like, I'm going to be depressed Because like, he's so annoying <laughs>
0: Yes, it really does. I, as soon as he was elected, I was like, "Wow, this is definitely going to be something else."
1: I was I was upset they even let him run. I was like, "Who who thought this? Like, I, I, I would have thought that was a joke. Like, this guy, come on now."
0: Well, initially and when he when ran, he, I I thought it was like a publicity stunt, and then when it kept going, I was like, "Wow, he really is considering this, and he really would like to be the president." That's very interesting.
1: And then when he. Like I literally broke down in tears when they announced in the president. I was like, "This cannot be life. Like, this cannot be life." Like, and then some, sure some of these Hillary people who vote, and some of these people who voted for him now, they're like, "Oh, I wish I didn't." I'm like, "Well, what were you listening to prior? What? Please tell me, because we wouldn't listen to the same person."
0: <laughs> but I think it, it dates back to more so what people believe in, in terms of feminism and equality. And I feel like that might've played a part in it as well, because as brilliant as and as smart as she is, you know, there are some people that still think archaic and believe that a woman can't do a job as well as a man can. And, and that did take away from her.
1: Yeah. And, and that, that was, that was the main, the main thing. They they felt like a woman was not capable of running the White House, running the country. Um, me, I thought I, I voted for Hillary um, and I mm-hmm. thought she would have done a wonderful job and anything is possible. You, They also said it was going to be impossible that a black man would run the president. We had Obama for eight years and I wish he was still there. So, <laughs> I definitely, um, <laughs> me too. I definitely, definitely thought Hillary could have done it a better job. Um, hopefully, we survive these four years as best as we can, um, and, and we get someone else. Um, maybe Hillary will, you know, try it, to do it again. Because I don't know what people think about it. Like, Hillary, Hillary knew I had to know a little bit something. Her husband was a president for eight years, too.
0: Exactly. She kind of got that secondhand experience. <laughs>
1: right. Like, it, I That's mean, it wasn't was like she was I'm some woman perfect. coming off the street.
0: hmm she had that experience, and she knew what she was doing. I, I thought it was the perfect match, but clearly America didn't, so.
1: How <laughs> yeah. sad. Um, But I, I definitely, we have to live with, you know, what's going on, and, and I'm very a firm believer, so I pray and, and everything will work out and continue to strive to be as best as I can. But, of course, it, it, it's harder you know, for um, like a Women's Day, there were so many different stuff people said. And when for Women's History Month about women, um, me, I'm like, look, I get up, I go to work, I'm an entrepreneur. I, I appreciate everything I did back in the day because it makes to show that we are not only here to birth children and cook bacon in the, in the kitchen. So um, I still stand for Hillary. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I do, too. And if she would love to come back and try it again, I would be for her again. So I completely understand. Sean
1: Chris, it has definitely been. Okay, so I know somewhere you went by Sean Chris. Is it Sean Christopher or Sean Chris?
0: It's Sean Christopher. Sean Chris is actually my Instagram name. And it's that way okay. because Christopher is a little too long, so okay. <laughs> I just went ahead and
1: abbreviated. But it okay.
0: is Sean Christopher.
1: Because it's long. Yeah. Okay. And mm-hmm. is that your? Is that a pen name or is that your actual um, given name?
0: It's my pen and my actual name. It's my first and middle name.
1: Okay. Some of, somebody like me.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: My first name is Tanisha, but, um, of course, that's very, very common, 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 common. Um, so I just kind of shorten my first name and use my middle name as my pen name.
0: Mm-hmm. It, it see, It's a little bit easier that way, and then also it's not very far from your actual name. So some people do call me Sean Christopher, and it doesn't surprise me because it is my name, versus if I made something else up off the wall and somebody called me by that name, and then I'm like, wait a minute, my name is so-and-so, but I'm like, wait, I'm a writer too, so that's my pen name, so it makes things
1: easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I, yeah. Me and when I first came, I was like, I don't, I was like, oh, my gosh, I have to come up with a name. I was like, I don't want to use Tanisha. Like, that's so common, Tanisha. And then I to find out Tanisha Williams was even more common or together, I was like, no, and then somebody was like, well, why don't you go with your nickname? And I'm like, ah, oh, that's a little common, too. And then I was just like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to do Nisha Lene. My nickname, my name, my nickname, and my middle name. Let's we'll just go with that. Uh, <laughs> and it's it's very important um, as an author to have a name that your readers can't remember.
0: Yes, it is. and it has I tell, to be I t-
1: Yeah, I tell authors all the time. I'm like, because a, a reader can forget the name of your book. But if they remember your name, they can always just go plug that into plug that into Google and find your book. So I tell every expiring author, if you're looking for a pen name, make sure you're finding a pen name that is memorable. It's easy to pronounce. It's easy to remember for your readers.
0: Exactly, because if, if they don't remember your author name, it can be an issue. And even with the books, yes. like in, in terms of titling your books, I try to make sure that I keep my title simple, like maybe one or two words, because I feel like the more words you put to the title, the harder it is for a person to remember. So I kind of just like to hit people with, like, one-liners or maybe one or two words, but nothing crazy. Yeah.
1: Or at least something that, like, rhymes so you, it's easy to remember. Like, of course, told Me Lover Friend is something that's easy to remember, Especially if you're in nineties era, you instantly think of R. Kelly. So you will always remember, even if somebody can think about it, you know, forget the book, they'd be like, It's the song, it's the it's the, you know, the song, the song, the song R. Kelly, R. Kelly. Okay. So people start naming R. Kelly, then you there you go, there you go. So, you know um mm-hmm. People that, have
0: done that in the past. As exactly.
1: So well. that's something I always tell, you know, when um aspiring authors, you know, hit me up and I'm like, make sure you have a memorable name that something that's not hard to pronounce, they can easily remember. My auntie's a crazy um, urban fiction reader as well as me. So she, you know, she thinks I know all these authors. She thinks I know everybody. So she's like, um, I was reading this book and da-da-da-da. And then she was trying to tell me somebody's name, and I'm like, I've never heard who that is. So we go to look on the Amazon, and I'm like, I can't even pronounce this author's name. And I'm like, that's <laughs> not a good look because, if your readers can't remember or pronounce your name, how are they going to remember you?
0: Exactly. It has to be something that's easy to remember, short to the point, or something that has some type of significance already to it. Because otherwise, like, like there are certain authors where I've, I've picked up books in the past that I've read and thought they were really good. But when I went back to look for more by the author, because I didn't write the author's name down, they got lost in translation. So, like, the name of the person was so confusing that I wasn't able to remember it later on. But for somebody like Zane, or someone like Eric Jerome Dickey, or like Omar Tyree, I remember those because those are un those are unique names. Right. <clears throat> They're not common. Versus somebody that's naming their author pen something weird or misspelled or whatever. It's just oh, easier to remember.
1: Oh, the ones. I was like, What?
0: In an attempt to be creative.
1: Yeah, I'm like, no, 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 no. Um <laughs> also got mad at me over that. She had a pin name and I was like, Well, you know, let's bring her, go over your pin name. She had hit me up in my DMs for advice. And that was the first mm-hmm. thing that stuck out to me, like it was like Miss Diamond. Pinterest or something like that and she spelled miss like M Z and I'm like, No, let's drop
0: that Yeah, no.
1: Go ahead and drop that. But, no. but
0: then also I feel like when you do certain things like that it kinda leaves you stagnant in one type of genre of writing because typically you kinda find that type of spelling in something that is a little bit more street lit. So unless you're sure that's what you want to do for the rest of your career as a writer I don't think that you should limit yourself that way. You got to think about how you're marketing yourself.
1: Exactly, and then I and, and me for me, I'm like when you're building your brand, I always tell myself you want to see your book besides Amazon, right? So you want to see that on in, in the covers of magazines. You want to see that on the bookshelf. You have to come up with relatable titles. You have to have make sure your name and your brand is something that people is marketable. Like you said. So if you can, you won't see that on, you got to make sure you can see yourself on the shelves of Walmart and Target. You have to think about the, the brand over a brand that they want to represent. Mm-hmm. And Miss Penn exactly. Dodgers or, or Diamond Pinterest, they not. It's very not, unlikely. You know, that right. And and that's Barnes what and I was Noble, trying to yeah. <laughs> Like, you know, you got to, got to go with, the, with what you want, but it's, and like I told her, like it's. If Amazon is all you want to say you have a book, then so be it. Um, but mm-hmm. I like to consider myself, I want to be a household brand. I want to be on Barnes & Noble's shelf. I want to be on Target shelf. So I know i got to create titles that don't have curse words or thug and nigga in the titles. And, well, thug is, can definitely be on there. But, I mean, that's been done before.
0: Many so, times. You know, many,
1: many yeah, times. Too many times. <laughs>
0: so... <laughs> so <laughs>
1: You want to have these, you know, these titles that they feel like they can mark. Because um, even if you, like, as a self-published author, I um, went and did some research to try to see how I can, as a self-published author, get my titles in Barnes & Noble. And that's that's definitely something that they look at. They want to know, how are you markable to us? How can we market you to, you know, gain readers and to gain money and to, you know, make a profit? And so that's how. Any time I release, I come up with a book or a book cover. That's what I'm thinking about. Is this marketable to Barnes and Noble? Can I walk in Barnes and Noble and say, "I'm trying to get this on your shelf? not just on, on not on dot com, but on your shelves where somebody can walk in and pick up that paperback and walk out the store with it."
0: Exactly, because otherwise, you know, if you if you follow those directions and do what you want to do. Like, I feel like as an artist, you should be able to have that creative freedom, but you do have to be responsible enough to know kind of like what's marketable and what's not. Right. So, and and you have to be hip on the current trends and things in terms of, you know, what people are looking towards or looking forward to in terms of reading. So it's a blend of what you want to do versus what your readers would want.
1: And just find that middle ground.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So there's, there's always a way to do something. Um, but um, like you said, you mentioned it earlier. You have to find your target market.
0: And, mm-hmm. then, and then I
1: think that's what a lot of authors are, are missing out of their their marketing plan and out of their branding plan is that they have to find their target market.
0: And then once you find it, stick with it. And then if you like to expand yourself from there, you can. But I feel like that's the most important thing to just find where your target is. If you write a book and you have no supporters, then the book will only go so far. Of course, if you just want to write for the fun, then it wouldn't matter. But if you're trying to reach an audience, you have to know what audience you're reaching first.
1: Definitely, definitely. Okay, thank you. Sean Chris. We have been on this phone for almost an hour, and it has definitely been a pleasure <laughs> to talk to you. Before we go, um, go ahead and tell everyone where they can reach you on all your social media and where they can purchase mm-hmm. your book.
0: Okay, so my book can actually be per- purchased, excuse me, on um, Amazon. You just type in "Homey Lover Friend" or "Jaded" by Sean Christopher. That's S-H-A-W-N, Sean Christopher, C-H-R-I-S-T-O-P-H-E-R. Type that in, and then my book should come up. Um, You can go to the Delphine Publications website, www.delphinepublications.com, and order the book that way. Um, As far as my social media sites, Facebook, I'm author Sean Christopher. Um, And Instagram, I'm author underscore Sean, S-H-A-W-N, Chris, C-H-R-I-S. And I should pop right up.
1: Okay. You guys did hear him say earlier in the call his book, Jaded, will be released on April 4th on Amazon. So make sure you guys go ahead and drop that. And you can catch him at the AMDMC in June. And that will be hosted in Atlanta.
0: Yes, and I'm so excited about that. I've been to Atlanta before, but um, it was more so for uh, personal. So this is more like a, a mixture of both. So I'm excited to see what's out there, especially at
1: the award show. Yeah, Atlanta's nice. So I definitely um, uh, definitely want to commend you on your, uh, congratulate you on your book. Uh, we make sure we will be going, to get, going ahead and downloading that on April 4th. We'll also be giving away some copies, so make sure you guys head over to Unfiltered Talk Radio and follow us on Instagram and stay in tune for any of the giveaways if you have been slipping on them. But we will be back to make sure we get those giveaways so we can get um, support our authors and get their books out there to you guys. And um, as always, anytime we have a giveaway and we give books, all we ask is that you give an honest review on Amazon and Goodreads for our authors. Is there any departing words that you want to uh, let the readers or the listeners know before you get off the call, Sean Christopher?
0: Um, <clears throat> other than just to never give up, as a writer, as a creator, um, whatever it is that you do, if you have a passion in it, just never give up because I never thought that I would actually be on a radio show talking about a book that I didn't even think was going to be anything, a part of a publication that I, it's just, it's amazing. So it all started with me not giving up. And I would say that to any and everybody, like whatever it is that your dream is, your passion is, your hobby, never give that up, especially if it brings you joy.
1: Okay, definitely. And we definitely want to uh, congratulate you on all your success. wish you nothing but more of this success and you have a great weekend. You too. Thank you, guys, for tuning in to Unpoken Talk Radio with your host, Shalene. We talked to author Sean Christopher. Make sure you guys go ahead and have that book, Jaded, released on Amazon on April 4th. You can tune in to Unpoken Talk Radio every Friday right here on Blog Talk Radio with me, your host, Shalene. Next week, we will be talking to author James Jimmy Richardson about his book, Brooklyn Meets Wall Street. So make sure you guys tune in at 6 p.m. Eastern Pacific Standard Time and 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also want to thank our supporters and sponsors, um, DC Book Diva, Tia Short, Concrete Rose Publications, Love for the Lockdown, Callie Kim. Without them, we make this possible. And we want to thank you guys for tuning in. Catch you next Friday. You guys have a great weekend.